Morning, friends. Well, it's good to be here with you today as we wrap up our Living All Out series from Romans 12. I thought I'd begin with a story that my son told me. Uh, he was attending a training event in Nashville for his job here in the city when uh, the company scheduled an evening out at a country and western establishment. And he was leaving his room when down the hall he noticed another guy step out of his room. This man was dressed all in black. And he had a black cowboy hat on and black cowboy boots on. Now, Luke had seen the guy before, so when they stood in front of the elevator, he said, uh, you're going all out for this event, aren't you? And the man replied, uh, you think it's too much? Luke wasn't wearing anything Western at all. And my son said, oh, no, 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 you look good. And that's when the guy looked at him and said, uh, you know, I have spurs back in my room. And Luke looked at him and said, You've got spurs? And the guy said, oh yeah, I brought them along. You think I should wear them? Luke looked at him and said, absolutely, you should wear spurs, okay? So with that, the man turned around and went back to his room to get his spurs. Now, I'll tell you what, that's what living all out can look like, right? Not cowboy boots and hats and stuff, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a persona that shows who we belong to. We've been looking at the life that Jesus calls his followers to live, found in Romans 12. From passionately, which Darren talked about last week, to authentic and gracious, the all-out life is designed to look and be different from what is normally seen in the world around us. It's a life that characterizes those who follow Jesus. So today we finish up the chapter with the topic, Live Ridiculously. Now, I have no idea why they asked me to do this topic. And maybe, maybe I do, right? Okay, the idea is, I believe following Jesus should stand out. It should be a life that's distinct, that's unique, that is different from the norm. And the distinctness we're going to look at today from Romans 12 on the surface may seem rather ridiculous to put into practice because they are so far outside what we normally see or practice ourselves. But as I look at it, I realize that living all out like this really does require a warrior's mindset. And we're going to look at that today, found in Romans 12, verses, 20, verses 14 through 21. So what does it look like to live ridiculously? Listen to this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, you might see why this could be called ridiculous living, because it's so far outside the norm. And that's why we have to approach this with a a warrior's mentality, because it's going to be a battle. Now, when we live these, it does bring peace on earth. But the battle that we're going to face, I'll just be honest, the battle's with me, 
okay? The battle of me. I recognize the main thing that comes to, to, with this fight, living with these type of qualities, choosing to practice this type of living, there's going to be a battle inside, because I'm going to be fighting my normal tendencies. I'm going to be fighting the normal way I deal with people who are not nice to me. See, there are two things I recognize in these verses that I want to focus our time on today. And both of them come from relational issues. So what am I going to be battling? Well, the first thing I see is I'm going to battle the urge to take things into my own hands when it comes to getting even. There are five different statements in this, in this passage that are completely counterintuitive to what is normal. And here they are. Bless those who persecute you. Repay no one evil for evil. Live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves and overcome evil with good. All these run counter to the world we live in. So we've, we've grown accustomed to living, face it guys, we've grown accustomed to living with a get even mindset. You know what I mean? I mean, let me paint a picture for you. It happened to me yesterday. I'm driving along the road, a nice clip, taking my mother-in-law home, not because I wanted to get her home faster, but I was going a nice clip down the road. And all, I see this car pull up to a stop sign in front of me, and it decides it's going to pull out in front of me and go across the way. Now, I had to slow down markedly, so I didn't T-bone the dude. I leaned back after passing him, and I told my mother-in-law, I'm sure glad you're in the car with me today. <laughs> right? Because you know what the normal inclination is, right? My normal inclination is to begin to get a little fired up, Right? I begin to mutter things under my voice, and maybe even out loud. I have a tendency sometimes to want to roll the window down and wave at the person, if you know what I mean, right? Okay? Now, here's the deal. I, I fight the urge to do that. That is normative behavior. And I also recognize that's not good enough for those who choose to follow Jesus. If you've taken time to read through the teachings of, of Jesus, especially go to, go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, you notice how his, his teachings call his followers to a much higher standard. But the, it's totally different from what the world sees and experiences. I've got a book in my office uh, on, that, on those very chapters, and it's called Christian Counterculture because it describes how that type of living is upside down from what the world sees. So, so what are we used to seeing? Well, I brought a, uh, a tube of toothpaste with me today to, to illustrate this, all right? You know, if, if someone says something to us or about us on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, whatever social media platform you might say, they say something bad about us. What is the natural inclination? You know what it is, Right? Say it out back, 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 back to them, right? Maybe a little bit more if you can, right? Or how, how about if someone does evil to us? What's the normal practice? Well, I, I say I like to refer to this as the golden rule in reverse. Because what I figure if people want to treat me that way, they must want to be treated that way, right? So what am I going to do? I'm going to give it back, right? Then over and over and over again, when we look at these five characteristics, we see the normal response. You get that person who loves to fight, you know, and they want to bring a stick to every conflict. Well, you know what the normal reaction is, right? They bring a stick, hey, I'm bringing a bat, right? The deal is, 
We fight back normally. Now, there's a problem with this type of living. It leaves a mess, right? Because my question is, how do we get that back into here, right? See, I think what Paul writes these messages to us here in Romans 12 about, especially this last part, well, the whole chapter's been about this, but this last here part deals here with not living with regret. Not, not getting to this point where this becomes the outcome of what we deal with and have to deal with because we've let it out just like everybody else does. It's going to be a battle, though, every time because our natural impulses are to lash back, to get even, to take things into our own hands and make sure nobody ever does that to us again. So instead of cursing others who curse us, what does, what does Paul say? Bless them. Bless them. What does that mean? I was in Kansas City at a missionary convention just two weeks ago, and uh, one, of the, one of the speakers came up to talk about uh, some ladies who had, uh, who had converted from Islam to Christianity. And she talked about the hardships that came into these ladies' lives because they made that decision. You see, everything they knew from that point on from the past was cut off. Their family relationships, they disowned them. Their marital relationships, they, they divorced them. Their economic realities, they suddenly had no jobs and no opportunity for jobs. And their own culture just said, we're writing you off. And this lady, the speaker was talking to these three ladies who had made this conversation. They were living together in an apartment somewhere. And she said what amazed her was their, was their attitude. Because all one, every one of these ladies were grateful for what had happened to them. They were praying for those who had persecuted them and were blessing them. They were asking God to help these people instead of asking God to hurt them. She was amazed. And yet I've read enough articles and stories from the persecuted church. The things that the persecutors often describe are the love and the kindness that those who are persecuted show them and the impact that makes on their lives. So instead of cursing those who curse us, we can bless if we choose to. Then there's that if possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's an interesting thought because the if possible carries with it the idea that it's not if you can, but if those who are, who are not living peaceably with you allow you to live peaceably, do so. I have a friend who has a family member who does not appreciate her being a follower of Jesus at all. I know my friend, she tries to model the all-out life. She really does. But this family member pokes and prods and picks at her every time they're together about her faith. So my friend asks, what do I do with this? I use this verse. I said, hey, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably. I said, if she continues to want to fight you, just refuse to engage the battle. Be honest. Be straightforward. I'm not going to fight about this with you. If you want to fight about my faith, we're not going to do it. But I want to live at peace with you. Then the do not take revenge, but leave room for God to take care of it. Uh, That's hard. 
But this is where trust comes into the picture. I remember a meeting I was at one time where a man came into our leaders and, and accused me of a variety of things. And, that, and they really weren't true. None of them were. So prior to the meeting, one of my friends said to me, now, Lance, we don't want you to say a word during this meeting. We'll take care of it. You know how hard that is to do? Because there are two, there are two responses to, uh, to this, in, uh, this aggressiveness against you. It's either fight or flight, right? I'm not much of a runner, yeah, I like to fight. Somebody comes in, my natural inclination, okay, let's go at it, man. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. When it was all said and done, though, that that meeting, my leaders, the guy came in, just all sorts of nasty things. They took care of the issue. I never said a word. And I realized something. We get to shine when we trust God to take care of us instead of taking things into our own hands. I mean, this is what marks a follower of Jesus clearly because others see us leaning into God instead of leaning into our own abilities, our own strengths, and our own aggressiveness, right? So we trust God to take care of us. Hey, the bottom line, the final verse in this passage says it all. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, when we give in to living with the normal impulses that come from inside, this is what happens. And it's a mess, Believe me, I cleaned up after first service. This is a mess, okay? And if we don't embrace the ridiculous life, we'll be overcome by evil. It'll take control. We'll find ourselves trapped in situations that bad choices bring. Now, on the other hand, if we choose to ridiculous return, ridiculously return evil with good, if we act like Jesus would want us to, all of a sudden things change. And instead of reacting, this is what happens. We overcome it. You ever wondered what a fire extinguisher really does? You want to see? You no, know you don't want to see that. Come on. But here's what, here's what happens. When you use this and the fire's going and you spray this on it, you know what happens? The foam smothers the fire. It doesn't allow the fire to breathe. Here's what I think happens. When we choose to embrace the ridiculous life in the midst of conflict, in the midst of people doing things and saying things, it smothers out the natural impulses we have. And all of a sudden, the natural impulses aren't so natural anymore. And the ridiculous, I think, becomes natural. And wouldn't it be something to live ridiculously? as the normative, but that's what we're called to do. Now, the second natural tendency we need to to battle when living all out is that tendency to categorize people. Now, we understand what it means to value things, right? I went Black Friday shopping on Friday with my wife and my daughter-in-law, I'm proud to admit it. Six o'clock in the morning, we shopped hard for six and a half hours, okay? And it was good, okay? It was good. We had a good time. But now think about when we shop, we are continuously practicing valuation, right? Okay, is this a good deal? Uh, can I find it somewhere else at a better deal, right? Or <laughs> here's what I need to ask myself. Do I really need this, right? Okay, do I really need this? So, so listen to what Paul says about the concept of valuation here when it comes to categorizing people. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Now, I went back to my past here. 
Because when it comes to valuation, I used to love trading cards. So I got some football trading cards here. Let's open them up. Let's see who we got. Okay. See, I love these as a kid because you never knew what magic lurked inside these packs, right? All right. So let's see who we have here. Dakota Allen. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Mike Alston, he was pretty good. Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> these are old cards, okay? Yeah, these are real old cards. Okay, Kyle Fuller, okay. Archie Manning, how about that, huh? Okay. Now, you know when it comes to valuation, okay, when I was a kid, I would take these, I'd look at these, okay, I know that person, I know that person, I don't know that person. And, and those, the ones I didn't know, you know where they ended up? Let me tell you how old I am. They ended up in the spokes of my bicycle, Okay, because they made some nice sounds as they wrapped around. Okay, so there's the deal. There's the deal. We practice valuation. Now, God categorizes people differently than we do, guys. Okay, so God looks and he says, okay, they're my child. Yep, they're my child. Yep, they're my child. Yep, they're my child. And on and on and on. Now, some of his children don't even know they're his children yet. Some of his children have wandered away from him. And you know what the father wants? I just want them back home. I simply want them back home. I believe, John 3.16, that God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. You know who the world is? all of us. It's every single person. And every single person is a child that God wants as a part of his family, regardless of where they've been or what they've done. Period. Now we, on the other hand, we categorize people. We say those are are some who are valuable and some that, well, you know, we could just, uh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's why I think sometimes we need a value check when it comes to this point. Now, how do I do a value check? Well, it's, it's very simple. It's what, the, what we're described here in Romans 12. He said there's, a, there's an overlying principle. First of all, it says get along with everybody. Live in harmony with one another. Harmony is something we see each week up here on the stage. You realize that? Uh, this is, uh, God has blessed the church greatly with the musicians who are here, hasn't he? You enjoy the music? Yeah, it's beautiful. I've been at places where it isn't like this, okay? I want you to know that. Because you can tell the difference between harmony and disharmony, okay? You really can. Here's the deal. This doesn't happen by chance, okay? It takes practice. It takes hard work. And so does harmony, getting along with other people, right? doesn't happen by chance, and it's not easy. It takes effort. It takes getting along. Sometimes it takes getting along and, and bearing with one another, right? But the value, if we value getting along, no matter who the people are, that's a good place to start, but then it gets a little deeper here where it talks about don't be conceited, Paul says. This is an internal check here. We need, don't need to think more highly of ourselves than we really are. One of these days I'll tell you a story about a time I was asked to be a part of a worship team, one of our new churches. I was confident in my ability to play the djembe. I was not competent and so after, after the first uh, worship, worship set we practiced, I was asked to be a part of the audience. 
Okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's reality. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, anyway, yeah, another story, another time. No, sorry. Hey, hey, we need to be realistic about ourselves, right? We need to know what we're good at. We need to know what we're not know. We know what we're not good at, and that's okay. Nobody is more important than anybody else when it comes to the family. Okay, we are all equal, and God loves every single one of us the same way. Okay? And that should lead to the second part where we look out. Because Paul says we need to be willing to associate with the lowly. And see, this can be challenging because it's something we have to plan for and execute. See, it's easy to hang out with people we're comfortable with or we have things in common with. But it's hard sometimes because we want to battle. We want to be around people who are prominent and popular. Or we want to hang with people that the world says are important. Because it can make us feel better. But that's not God's way. God says, Lance, look for the outsiders. Have your attention drawn to those toward those who are dealing with challenging circumstances. I need to be willing to get uncomfortable because I recognize that comfort is an enemy to faith. And I need to constantly be leaning into faith. You see, when it comes to valuation, if I'm looking through God's eyes, I see people like he does. They are my children, and I love them. And knowing the way I feel about my children, it can change the way I look at people, and it needs to. So you see why this is called living ridiculously? It's so far outside the normal of what people experience. And that may not be what we practice right now. But these are the distinctive marks of those who follow Jesus. And if we want to live all out as followers, these are qualities that not only need to, we need to recognize, but they're qualities that need to mark our lives. Yeah, ridiculous. If we're trying to live this on our own, yeah, ridiculously hard. But I want you to know we're not alone. Let me finish with the, the story I began with today. See, when my son went to the country in Western Bar, he noticed a man standing at the bar who was now wearing spurs. He went up to the guy, and the, the guy pointed down, and Luke responded with a big smile and a thumbs up, right? Absolutely. So they began talking. Because they were hired the same day. They just worked on different floors in a high-rise in downtown Chicago. Luke asked him where he's from. The man said, well, probably, I'm sure you never even heard of the place. Crown Point, Indiana. Luke laughed and said, yeah, I know right where that is. I used to go to camp there in the summer. And in fact, my dad was a dean. The guy looked at Luke and asked, what is your last name again? Luke said, uh, it's Hurley. And the guy said, you wouldn't happen to be related to Lance Hurley, would you? Luke laughed and said, well, yeah, I am. He's my dad. And the guy looked at him and said, your dad is one of the five people I would literally throw myself in front of a car for to save his life. And Luke was kind of intrigued by that. He said, how do you know my dad? Well, the guy turns out to be a part of a new church we started in Merrillville about 10 years ago. How about that? And from that point on, he and Luke entered a brand new level of conversation and relationship because they had a common connector. Now, here's what I know, guys. This is one of the joys of being a part of God's family. We have a common connector. It's Jesus. And we're not alone because we have family everywhere. 
We're not on this journey on our own. We have people around us to support us and encourage us. And if we're open to seeing them, God will surprise us with connections all over the place, even in Nashville, Tennessee. So how can the ridiculous be lived? I'll tell you what. The ridiculous is best lived in community, right? Like this, with other people who love Jesus and have stories to share that will feed our willingness to be ridiculous too. So as we enter the Christmas season, I'd like to encourage you to do uh, a couple of things. First of all, remember where our strength comes from. It's all about being connected to Jesus. So I'd like to encourage you to, to make time during the next few weeks to connect with him. Maybe it's taking a small worship break, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Or maybe reading a specific passage, like the Christmas story. Or I'm, I'll be honest, I, I started Proverbs today. 31 chapters in Proverbs, 31 days in December, I'm going to read a proverb a day. It started, I did one, one this morning. Maybe it's listening to Christmas music. Whatever it is, does the, whatever it takes to make a connection that fills you, I'd encourage you to do it each day. Because I'll tell you what, the daily connection brings power for living the ridiculous life. Secondly, I'd like to encourage you to win a battle this week, either in the area of categorizing people or dealing with challenging people. Hey, we're going to face them. Why not, instead of blowing up, bless somebody this week? Instead of choosing to get even, give grace. See what happens. I've practiced this before, and I'll tell you what, it's always, always interesting to see the reactions you get from people when you don't respond like normal people do. It's not easy, but I'll tell you what, when we do it, it diffuses potential explosive situations. It allows God to work through us to bring peace. And thirdly, let's be realistic. In the week ahead, there may be moments we give in to the normal way of doing things. I I know I will have it. And when it happens and you fall down, pick yourself up apologize and get back to ridiculous living okay winning one battle leads to more victories and defeats do not define us because guys I want you to remember we are children of the king and he loves us I hope you've enjoyed this series Christmas season is upon us let's show who we follow by living all out Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for the patience you have with us. Thank you for the patience you have with me. And I thank you for that that fact that we are your children. And just as we parents love our kids, you love us. And you want what's best for us. Father, in the week ahead, help us to follow you and to win one battle. Because we know as we win one, there'll be another one ahead that we'll be able to win too. Not through our strength, but through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.